Hello and welcome back to Spotlight, the monthly podcast that discusses issues pertinent to child health with guests who make you think about areas not usually explored. I'm Rachel Ekbeko, Senior Editor of Archives of Disease and Childhood, and this is ADC Spotlight. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Coots. Jonathan is a neonatal and respiratory paediatrician at the Royal Hospital for Children in Glasgow, Scotland. We'll be discussing the paper, Toxic and Additive Effects of Nicotine in Children Adolescents, Are We Sleepwalking into a Public Health Disaster? Jonathan co-wrote the paper with Ross Langley at the Paediatric Respiratory and Sleep Department, also at the Royal Hospital for Children in Glasgow. Welcome, Jonathan, and thank you for joining us. No, no, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's lovely to have you. Now, let's let's start off. There's, there seems to be an increase in interest in vaping in the context of children and adolescents uh, recently, not just in the peer-reviewed papers, but also maybe more generally. Is that fair to say? Yes, I think everybody, even non-health professionals, will be aware that there's an increase in vaping. We see a lot of adults vaping, but also, more worryingly, is we see lots of children vaping. Um, You just see them on the street. Parents who have children who are older children in primary school or children in secondary school have their children reporting to them that the the toilets are full of their peers who are vaping. And you see the the vape shops proliferating across the uh, high streets. And it's clear that the, the advertising is targeting young people. Often they're brightly coloured, they have names that will attract young people. So so it's clear that there's a, a drive, I think, from the vape companies to advertise the vaping devices um, on the high street. And it's a worry that it seems to be children, particularly, that are being attracted to, to vaping. There are official numbers as well. There's various surveys that health departments will take. And these show, again, the fact that uh, children are increasing their use of vapes Um, In Scotland, there was a recent, from their health and wellbeing census over 2021-2022, said that 10% of senior four students reported using e-cigarettes regularly. And even uh, younger children from uh, the kind of late primary schools are are using it as well. And like a lot of things, it's, it's worse in deprived areas in that looking at children in the most deprived areas of Scotland, overall they were S2 and S4 pupils, 7.8% reported vaping in those areas compared to those in the most affluent areas where it was 46 So it's a worry again from the point of view of health inequalities. So uh, health inequalities uh, comes up time and again in our conversations. We haven't sorted that out just yet. Um, could you go a bit into the main issues about children and adolescents vaping, what are they? What, what, what are your key concerns? I mean, the key concerns is to do with the nicotine. Um, nicotine is highly addictive um, and vapes contain very large amounts of nicotine, often up to f- the equivalent of 50 cigarettes. Um, and nicotine, particularly in children, I mean, adolescents, they're they're, they're, the way that they're still developing in their brain, they're more likely to, to become addicted to nicotine. So the first thing is that if they start vaping, they're likely to continue to, to vape. Secondly, nicotine is actually quite a nasty 
uh, drug in that it's considered just to be an addictive drug. It's the tar in cigarettes that damages smokers. And yes, the tar in traditional cigarettes is very nasty to the lungs, but nicotine, in, again, in the developing brain or in uh, pregnant mums that smoke in the, in the developing fetus has various adverse effects, again, to do with brain development, to do with lung development. So nicotine not only is highly addictive and, and we'll say, will hook the, the children on, on the vape devices, it also is harmful. And then, unfortunately, once they get addicted to vaping, they're more likely to um, become traditional smokers. There's been a lot of debate over the years about is, is are vapes gateways to traditional smoking? And I think the answer is becoming clearer that it definitely is. There was an article uh, in the Medical Journal of Australia just uh, about a month ago, which showed a meta-analysis. It was an overall, it was an umbrella analysis, but meta-analysis of 25 longitudinal studies found what they called strong evidence that young never-smokers um, and non-smokers using e-cigarettes were about three times as likely as non-users of vapes to start smoking and become regular smokers. And that's a huge worry because obviously then not only do they have the problems from the nicotine, they're then becoming traditional smokers with all the harms of that cause that we know that we know about. Mm. So that's quite considerable um, worry. And what's becoming what's coming to the fore, I'd I'd say, is that there are there might be some consideration that vaping um, could be seen as a good device to stop smoking behaviours in, in adults, uh, which may well be the case. Uh, and I wonder whether what we're now seeing is maybe some unintended effects uh, in the in the younger age group. What, what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've always been very keen uh, not to get into some conflict with my adult smoking cessation colleagues, because obviously traditional cigarettes have got well-recognised harmful effects. In, in the same article, though, that I mentioned from the Medical Journal of Australia, they don't feel that the um, evidence for long-term cessation is that strong. So I think that actually we need to be re-examining the reasons why various bodies are promoting vaping as a, a cessation aid. It doesn't seem to be that strong. But I think whatever, by, by kind of promoting vaping, by talking about its safety... And I think, if anything, they should be talking about how they feel it's less harmful, but still harmful. That gives a message to the public that it's the, the professionals are saying it's safe. Therefore, they should. They, it's fine for them to take it up. I have a particular concern about the use of a statistic that comes up repeatedly, in that it's said that ninety-five percent safer. It's, it's ninety-five percent safer to vape than it is to smoke. That's been repeated over the years by Public Health England, by the uh, college document, uh, the adult college document. It's based on very little evidence. It's based on a paper in an addiction journal in about 2014. When that number was brought, brought up by the participants in a Delphi um, process, when they were looking at overall harm to the environment, to the world, they were looking at deforestation, they were looking at smuggling, they were looking at a lot of issues to do with the harm that it causes society for cigarette smoking. And once they had compared, in their opinion, as to what the uh, harmful effects were of various uh, tobacco uh, 
substitutes or tobacco uh, products, they then multiplied their effect dramatically for the cigarettes because, as they said in their paper, far more people smoke. So it's not a it's not a paper that was designed to say for an individual e-cigarettes and 95% safer. It was in their opinion in 2014 when we knew little about the harmful effects of vaping that actually to the environment there would be less damage caused to the environment. And that's that's where the 95% safer comes from, that single paper. And since then we've seen Evali being described, which is the acute lung injury that you get from vapes. Um, we've also seen a whole host of evidence showing that if you look at inflammation in the lungs or vapors, you can see changes which are very similar to smokers. If, again, from pediatric side of things, if you look at children who are exposed to secondhand smoke, you see increased symptoms, bronchitic symptoms. If you have asthma, then you're more likely to have um, symptoms if you're exposed to secondhand vapes. So even though the paper originally wasn't to do with safety to a person, it was to do with the environment, the 95% safer. And even though we still, we now know far more about the harmful effects of vapes and about how the water vapor that's blown out is actually full of various compounds which are not safe to inhale, they still, in various documents, will produce a 95% safer message, which I, I'm quite disappointed about. Mm. The question then, I suppose, arises, so are we at a time to start evaluating the effects on children and adolescents themselves? That would be one. And two, also, an evaluation of how we in society see vaping. Obviously, they're linked, but what, what, what would you say to those two questions, Jonathan? I mean, I think it's interesting, but I don't know what the whole... Um, thoughts about society and, and vaping, because obviously people do vape, it's, it is popular. I ask routinely in my chest clinic about exposure to damp housing, exposure to cigarette smoke, because that is obviously harmful for children's respiratory health. I also ask about vaping, and most parents make some comment about how, oh, that's really quite nasty for the children. So I'm not sure what society as a whole thinks. The parents of the children I see in my chest clinic seem to have a negative attitude towards vaping, though obviously vaping is popular based on the amount of, uh, say, vape shops that we see on the on the streets these days. I think the, the worry about are we too late to see the effects, I think was your question. It took about 50 years to work out how harmful traditional cigarettes were um, back in the 50s and 60s. So I think the problem is we are looking at something that we have good evidence causes harm in experimental models or in, in people that have been enrolled in studies. Therefore, at least the precautionary principle should apply in that if we think that, if we know that there's harmful effects that we can demonstrate, and if we know that our current practices of allowing vapes to be advertised to sponsor sports teams or stadium to be freely available and visible in shops, if we know that that is increasing the amount of uh, children that vape, I, I think we should be, you know, pausing and possibly applying the same steps that we used for cigarettes, or we use currently for cigarettes, and that we don't allow advertising or sponsorship 
we have them hidden from the view in the shops. We should be using the same principle um, should apply to vapes as apply to, to standard cigarettes, I think. I think otherwise we, we do risk repeating the mistakes that we made in the past to do with them um, with the traditional cigarettes. Mm. I can also say it's interesting that the UK is, is in some ways quite an outlier. Some people may have noticed that Australia has completely banned vapes. Um, a lot of other countries actually have vapes. They have the same uh, regulation for vaping devices that they have for cigarettes, which I think is very, very sensible. And I'm not necessarily saying we should stop everybody vaping, but I think we should make it, as I say, similar to cigarettes. I don't believe that if we put those practices in place, that that would discourage adults, smokers who want to vape to reduce their disease burden from cigarettes and having difficulty getting vapes. Because at the minute, they are continuing to smoke despite all the regulations we have to do with smoking, about sponsorship advertising, hidden in a cupboard or a drawer in a shop. So I think if we did the same for vapes, they would easily find that they could access vaping devices as well if they wanted to. So so I think we, we need to be, as I say, looking at what other countries are doing, looking at statements such as from the American Heart Association where they talk about the, not cigarette endgame, but they talk about the nicotine endgame because that's the problem. It's the addiction to nicotine that is the problem. And we need to reduce both traditional cigarette smoking, but also make sure that we don't addict a new generation to nicotine, who, as I say, it looks like they will become traditional smokers in the place of their, the adults that are, that are currently dying from cigarette smoking. So tell us a bit more about the other jurisdictions then, including Australia. When did their policies and 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 all laws come into place? What well, what was different? It's it is interesting. The um, Australians, the health minister Mark Butler, recently was on. He was on the news. He was on websites and things like that. Uh, he said, you know, that vaping products are creating a new generation of nicotine addicts in Australia. That's what we've been talking about as well. He blames tobacco companies. And he, he suggests that because they've been tough in Australia to rule, have regulations on cigarette smokes, smoking, the, the tobacco companies have moved to, to target younger people with vapes. That's his opinion. I think his quote was, just like they did with smoking, big tobacco has taken another addictive product. I'm reading this off the BBC website. Wrapped it in shiny packaging and added sweet flavours to create a new generation of nicotine addicts. And then he finishes that by saying, we have been duped. I think that's the worry. We need to make sure that we don't downplay the potential risks. And I think the precautionary principle is a good thing to think about in that we have some good evidence about, I see, damage and harm from vaping, whereas we don't know the full picture. We don't know how it compares to traditional cigarettes. But I think we need to be really very cautious before we start promoting it and then finding out, possibly too late, that we should have not been um, so widely promoting it as we are just now. That would be my concern. Mm. Well, if, if, if we leave the promotion of, uh, of vaping aside, there is a precaution that we could take for children and adolescents and sort of identify sort of what would work uh, in order for them not to be lured into vaping 
um, as as they currently might. Uh, that there might be roles for us as paediatricians to have not just conversations in our uh, surgeries, uh, but also outside. And so where do those conversations happen? Locally, they, they are happening in that a, a group of us, you mentioned Ross Langley, there's also Kenny McLeod, who's one of the Edinburgh paediatricians, and Steve Turner, who's based up in Aberdeen, um, who has a role in the college. We have been trying to engage with the Scottish government, um, the... Uh, deputy CMOs, we've been having, we've had some meetings with them, but also we, we just think it's good to get some awareness out there, meetings, first, you know, giving talks at meetings. We have links into the, the schools as well. We, we're trying to kind of help the schools who have recognised that it's a, a problem. Education in universities, uh, Ross has had some very successful kind of uh, undergraduates doing a a module with him to do with uh, vaping and, and issues around vaping. So I think we just need to have a multi-pronged approach to just raise awareness. I, I, I'm not against a total ban. I don't like smoking, um, but I, I think it's everybody's right if, they, if something is legal for them to carry on smoking. I just have to, as I remind my parents, that they have a choice and they've made a choice to smoke, but children don't have a choice and therefore that's not fair. So they need to be aware of that and take measures to reduce um, secondhand smoke effects in children. I think just doing the same for vaping seems a perfectly reasonable thing. The measures we have against smoking obviously are effective. Smoking rates have been going down. I think simply adopting what we already know works, see, to do with sponsorship of sports stadium and, and teams. I remember when I was young, things like the Embassy World Snooker Championship and all that that went on, just preventing that sponsorship in the, the children, young people, sorry, probably uh, influences on, on the internet as, as a group that um, is a new group that we've not thought about before. We should be looking at um, their role in trying to influence uh, children if we can, because young people these days maybe don't respond to the same things that uh, older people do. Mm-hmm. What do young people themselves say? Do you know? I don't know. I, I know from my my children are, are grown up, they're not at school anymore. But I do have some friends with young children. And there seems to be, uh, it's still considered if you are one of the sporty children who is in the football team or whatever, you tend to avoid that. But it is something that is like, in my day when cigarette smoking was considered a little bit cool, a bit subversive, so people were keen to try it out um, at times. So I think there's a core group of of children who are, as I say, maybe with peer pressure, maybe just exploring um, new things. As you as you grow up, you explore new things. They are kind of, say, vaping um, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the rebuttals that has, has, has come along, is it a... Adolescents will experiment. They'll be uh, experimenters as part of being an adolescent. So maybe we shouldn't worry too much about it. But I think what you have uh, just outlined um, is that there uh, is increasing data to suggest that it's not just simple experimentation. There are current and longer-term effects um, on vaping. I think it's because nicotine is such an addictive substance and the levels in the vape device are so high in that 
it'd be difficult for a child to smoke 20 cigarettes a day, but they can get the equivalent nicotine effect much easier using a vape device. There are a lot of illegal vape devices around there. You're, again, there was some publicity about various metals like lead being found in, in these d devices that are illegal. So there obviously needs to be, you know, ways of making sure that illegal vapes aren't uh, bought in. But even the vapes that are supposedly legal and s suggest they have no nicotine often have been found to have nicotine. So we have to be very careful. I think the key is that nicotine is so addictive that if the children experiment, they might find that they've become addicted um, before they've decided to, to stop experimenting. Mm. Thanks, Jonathan. And on that note, let's draw this conversation to a, to a close. Thank you very much for uh, your comments. It's a tricky situation to be in, uh, and hopefully we won't get into a polarising uh, dialogue, but something that's going to be helpful to both adolescents and uh, children in the wider context of our society. I mean, indeed, we might need to be looking at Australia for some inspiration. Thank you very much for having me on the, the podcast. Thank you for listening. We publish regular podcasts about some of the best content of archives of disease in childhood. The paper discussed in ADC Spotlight will be available free of charge for a month after the podcast episode release. If you don't want to miss us, please subscribe on your preferred platforms to get the podcast directly on your device each month. We'd also like to hear from you, so please leave us a review on the Archives of Disease and Childhood podcast page on iTunes. Thank you, and until next month.